respond to reports of a missing person. The mother is on scene and requesting assistance. Unit 527 responding 1039. This is Over the Horizon and Far Away. Welcome to Over the Horizon and Far Away, where we discuss cases of the missing and murdered whose stories didn't get the media attention that they deserved. I'm Danielle, and thank you guys so much for joining us for another week. We are so happy that you guys came back. And I'm Julia. Today I'm going to be sharing the case of Charleston Goodman. Charleston's case takes place in Durham, North Carolina. Durham is a relatively large city with a population of about 286,000 people. I was able to get some crime statistics from Durham Police Department's media outlet, and they informed me that in 2018, which is when the story takes place, they had 266 missing persons cases with two remaining missing. I think that's pretty incredible that they managed to get all those people back home. And then 238 runaway cases with only four remaining missing, also very impressive. As of 2022, those numbers changed to 227 missing persons cases with two remaining missing and 337 runaway cases with 23 remaining missing. Yeah, I have to agree. Those stats are actually pretty great that they're doing work and they're out here finding people. We don't see that very much. Yeah, I thought that was really, really impressive, especially in like, I mean, that's kind of a large town. So I thought that was pretty big that they were able to do that much work. Nice work, Durham. Nice work. Yeah. (laughs) According to multiple media sources, including U.S. News, Durham is considered a relatively safe place to live with a crime rate that's slightly lower than the national average. I thought that was kind of surprising when I found that because um, I did some more Googling on Durham and from what I was able to find, it seems like people that live there don't consider it to be a safe place, but that's what this source said. So if you're from Durham, I would love to hear your thoughts on the area. You guys can hit us up on the socials and let us know what it's really like. I've never been there. Charleston Goodman, also known as Scooter, was 26 years old at the time of his his disappearance. Charleston was the father to a young daughter and very close to his family. He was active in church and musically gifted, singing in the choir, playing drums, and even looking to use his gifts to build a career. In doing research on him, I found that Charleston was actually an aspiring rap artist under the name Bull City Scoop. And then you can find his music posts online and on social media. Um, You'll find comments from his fans and his own mother, which I thought was really sweet, praising his work. His mom describes him as caring, kind, and patient. And she said that he had no known enemies. He served on the usher board of his church and was very devoted to his daughter. If you go online, you'll find lots of pictures of him and his family together and it seems like he had a very strong family unit and was very much tied in with them and they had close relationships with one another. Charleston's story begins with conflicting reports about his past. While police warrants state that Charleston was involved as a middleman in the local drug trade, his parents vehemently deny this. Per WRAL, his mother states that he has no known enemies 
and he would have provided a better life for them if he was dealing drugs. Oh my gosh. Yes. I hear that a lot. Um, so I work in the social services field. So I have certainly worked with um, people who have addiction issues or who are dealing and those sorts of things. And many of them will tell you like when they get out of that lifestyle and there's any sort of concerns that they might be doing that again or whatever, that's always the first thing. Like I wouldn't be struggling this hard if I was dealing or they'll even say like, I've thought about going back because the money is so good. Like working this nine to five for $10 an hour, like, is it cutting it? Cause they're used to, you know, bringing in all this money. So that's, that's just funny to me. I've always wondered about that. Like when it comes to people that deal drugs, some of them do have like those nine to five jobs and then deal drugs on the side. So I wonder how many people are actually making really good money with that and how many people are kind of just like small time selling weed here and there, not really bringing much in. It's kind of just like supplemental. I'd like to know more about that. Well, what's also interesting is they use the term like middleman in the local drug trade. And what's interesting to me about that is I know somebody that was prosecuted for trafficking drugs and that person's defense was when she was in court was that um, she was selling to feed her own habit. And so like the term middleman to me almost makes me think like it was maybe something he was doing for alternative motives just to kind of survive he wasn't necessarily this high level like kingpin or like anything like that yeah that makes a lot of sense actually and from what I said earlier like he was trying to have a career in the music industry so either way his mother was absolutely adamant and has gone to the media and told everybody that her son was not involved in the drug trade WRAL reports that Charleston did serve two years in jail for assault with a deadly weapon on a government officer. However, it appears that he was trying to move past this time in his life. So were you by chance able to get any sort of information on that? I'm more curious than anything. I don't know that it necessarily ties back to this story, but I would be curious to know like the circumstances of that. I was not able to find any more information on that. Um, I do think it's really interesting that he did two years for it. I mean, that sounds like it was something pretty serious, but I don't have any additional information on that. Yeah, well, an assault on a, you know, a government officer, that makes me think it was likely a police officer. So, like, what led to their involvement with this particular law enforcement officer and, like, how did it escalate to this? Yeah, there's so much, like, you can interpret from that because is it assault on an officer, like, he spit on somebody or assault like he actually hurt them and intended to do something. I don't know. Well, it says with the deadly weapon. So I don't think it's because I know you can be charged with assault for spitting on somebody. But because of that deadly weapon piece, that makes me think he had some sort of something. And really anything just about can be a deadly weapon, right? So like, I mean, he could have used a pool noodle and been swinging it. And, <laughs> and he could have, you know, gotten that deadly weapon thing right so i know just interesting i say spit because i do know um in my line of work i have heard someone say like you spit on me and that could have killed me like people can try to make it more dramatic to try to get the charges up like if you have a flu or something the flu kills people so yeah it could have been any range of things he was looking towards the future and trying to be a good father He was active in church and using his talents to make a music career. 
And his family all state that he was a good person and he was trying to do well in his life. On the evening of January 28, 2018, at about 6.20 p.m., Charleston Goodman said goodbye to his mother and left the house. Per report from CBS 17, Charleston kissed his mom on the forehead, they said a prayer, and then he told her that he loved her and that he'd be back soon. Mere seconds after walking outside, Charleston's mom heard her son screaming help, and she ran to the window. It was here that she witnessed something absolutely terrifying that she's not likely to ever forget. Charleston's mom saw that her son was struggling with a group of men who were attempting to kidnap him. Well, that's something straight out of a movie. Yeah, terrifying. Like, your son leaves the house and then not long later you have to see that. ABC 11 reports that Charleston Goodman's mother heard him asking who these men were, stating that they were the wrong, that he had the wrong person, and they asked why they were doing this to him. Charleston tried to get away, and it looks like he may have even tried to run away, but he was ultimately overpowered by the men and shoved into the minivan. Numerous witnesses saw this incident occur and reported that Charleston had been kidnapped by four African-American males. On April 20th, 2018, the Find Charleston Goodman Facebook page posted that Durham Police Department has federal agents analyzing the tape depicting the vehicle involved in Charleston's kidnapping. So there was video evidence of this kidnapping happening. Holy cow. Yeah. In this post, the driver is seen wearing a white long sleeve shirt. According to Crime Stoppers, the second suspect is seen wearing an Adidas striped tracksuit. At least one of the suspects was seen with their hair in dreadlocks. The Adidas uh, tracksuit totally makes me think of like the 90s. Right? <laughs> Very just like old a school. little side note there, you guys. I just am picturing like this old 90s tracksuit. <laughs> the vehicle Charleston was shoved into that evening is described as a 2005 to 2008 silver slash light blue Honda Odyssey minivan. WRAL reports that the passenger side door is damaged, making the door difficult to close. So if you guys go and Google this case, and we'll make sure to put it in our socials as well, you can see what this vehicle looked like. And um, you can even see kind of small images that don't look very clear as to what some of these men looked like. So if you do look up this case you guys are going to be able to see that was there was the video footage of the kidnapping released at all no not no. the entire okay video footage. i was gonna say we're gonna go google that right now <laughs> i guess not <laughs> at least at the time of this recording okay police investigation into the case appeared to rely heavily on the use of confidential informants Ooh, so that's like a I love that and I don't all at the same time. Um, so we know that confidential informants can be beneficial, but I also think that their credibility is very can be a difficult thing as well. Um, I feel like I wish that we had more information on that, I guess. Because my question would be, what are they getting out of this to be confidential informants? Like, I think we oftentimes hear it's somebody who maybe has pending charges or something like that, that then becomes um, the confidential informant. And if they cooperate, then, you know, they're going to drop these other charges. And then that almost becomes like a conflict of interest. Like, of course, they're going to get 
you whatever information you want or whatever and kind of put a spin on the story in an effort to, you know, benefit themselves. Yeah, I completely agree with that. You never know really what you're getting out of that. According to WRAL, several different police informants have provided details as to what may have happened to Charleston following his kidnapping. Now, some of these stories can get a little bit wild and some of them, it goes kind of back to what you were saying earlier. You wonder what they were getting out of it. But um, one of the informants indicated that a drug dealer believed that Goodman had broken into his apartment and stolen two bricks of cocaine. And then in retaliation, sent the group of men to kidnap him. Included in this group, according to a different informant, was a former friend of Goodman's who had turned against him following a disagreement over a woman. Multiple sources indicate that Goodman's body was seen by an unknown witness two days after his kidnapping in the back of a van. What? How do we have multiple sources and nobody can tell us who this witness is? (laughs) That's a red flag for me. The WRAL article further stated that another informant told police that Goodman's body was wrapped in plastic bags and stored before being dumped by the aforementioned former friend. It is at this point believed that Goodman's body was eaten by hogs. However, the informant who reported this offered no further details. Again, another red flag. If you're going to come forward and talk, tell me everything. I'm just curious as to being eaten by hogs, like... How much of the body would that really get rid of? I don't know how effective that could possibly be. Like, do hogs eat through bones? Oh my gosh. So this is wild because I was actually just, and I don't even know how I got on this subject, but I was actually just talking to a friend about this the other day. Um, So it is like a relatively common thing for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know who discovered that we could feed people to hogs. However, um, so they will eat everything, everything but teeth. But also, like, the hog has to, like, digest it three times over before all of, like, the DNA and stuff is completely gone. So, like, essentially, they're going to eat, they're going to poop, they're going to eat the poop, and they got to do that several times before they can no longer trace that DNA. I don't know. So, you guys, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a professional in hog keeping. None of that. Uh, But that is literally the conversation I had with a friend of mine the other day. That is so bizarre to me. Like, how efficient is that versus other methods of getting rid of a body? Like, I don't know if I would go straight to feeding someone to hogs. You know, I think that if that's all they had to eat for a minute, then it maybe makes sense to me. So I had a friend when I was like a kid that had, she did like 4-H, so she had pigs. And I remember they ate a lot. Like, I remember we always gave them like literally anything and everything like all the leftovers all the stuff that was all the food that was going bad like and they truly do eat so much so yeah I don't know again I'm not a hog keeper you guys I (laughs) somebody that's a hog keeper wants to shed some light by all means hit us up on the socials these reports became public knowledge and ABC 11 spoke to the family who took that opportunity to clear their son's name She's quoted as saying, my son is not involved in that breaking into his house. Like I said, I have proof. I know where my child was that night. A search warrant obtained by CBS 17 revealed that Goodman may have been killed for stealing cocaine. So at this point, we have law enforcement officers allegedly saying that they do believe that he was killed for stealing that cocaine. 
I would like to know. Okay. So a couple of thoughts on what, um, the last couple of things you just said. Number one, mom says she knows where he's at. Like, can we get more information on that? Like, why did we not just say, no, I know he was here with me or here with that person or whatever the circumstance was. But then also I am really curious what led, um, law enforcement to come to the conclusion that like he could have potentially been killed for stealing this cocaine. Like that's really fascinating to me. And I hope it's based on more than a stinking informant. Yes, I agree. It just seems like this case from what I was able to find relies so heavily on those informants. So this same warrant describes him as a middleman in the local drug trade. The warrant was used to obtain his cell phone records which they wanted to use in an effort to acquire more knowledge about the case. So if they're pulling it from his cell phone records, I do think that says something. Whether or not that actually was conclusive, who knows? Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm also curious, um, like, how what those phone records really look like. Were they, because I know that can vary depending on, like, the carrier and stuff like that. Like, did they have access only to call logs or were they able to get text messages? Because nowadays, I mean, they can see literally everything on your phone. They can see like your search history on the internet, text messages, emails, like the whole nine. So I definitely would be curious to know what kind of phone records they use because I mean, a text message outlining this stealing of cocaine or whatever, it looks very different than, Oh, well he maybe called this, you know, line that goes to, um, like a throwaway phone to that we think maybe belong to the drug dealer. You know what I mean? Like those are two very different scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. An ABC 11 news article reported that 11 months later, two men were taken into custody as persons of interest in the Charleston Goodman case. Jamal Lowry and Marquezio, who goes by the nickname Little Murder Andrews. (laughs) You guys, are you kidding me? That's really our nickname. (laughs) Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> Sounds oh kind of You didn't think that was going to draw some attention? Yeah, it's like incriminating oh right Lord. off the bat. That's why I decided to share that early on. <laughs> so I'm going to do a little sidebar here. According to ABC 11, these two were tied to a Crip gang and are believed to have knowledge as to what happened to Charleston. Okay, so I would be curious to know, like how big of a gang activity there is in this little town of less than 10,000 people. No, it's not less than 10,000 people. Oh, what? Oh, I must be thinking of a different, (laughs) you guys, we've been recording all night. So I'm probably thinking of my other case. Um, Just kidding. Disregard. (laughs) (laughs) Now, while I struggle to find out just how these two may have been linked exactly to Charleston, I was able to find out some information on their ties to crime in the local area. Jamal and Marquezio were arrested for their part in the 2017 death of James Lee Docher. To give an overview of this case, ABC 11 reports that in November of 2017, officers arrived to Denver Avenue and Old Oxford Highway and found James Lee Docher sitting in a car with a gunshot wound to his head. He ended up dying from his injuries, and investigators were able to link Jamal and Marquezio to the murder. These two were charged for this crime. Jamal Lowry was arrested in 2018 following investigation on this case, while Marquezio was actually already in prison on unrelated weapons charges. 
While these two were named as persons of interest in the Charleston Goodman case, no charges were filed against them for his kidnapping or suspected murder. So regarding this case, um, you are able to actually see video footage online of what happened. Um, they pulled up to this car and you can see them just blasting it, like riddling it with bullet holes. It was a very intense, very violent, very horrible attack. And you are able to see it online. Um, wow. We can go ahead and post a link to that with our Charleston Goodman social media post if you guys are interested in seeing that as well. But it was very violent and very scary to see. Something interesting about this is that even the media outlet that reported this story says that Charleston was killed in January, not just missing. So it says that he was killed. Um, so it seems like media outlets and kind of the local area are believing that this was a murder case and he's not still out there somewhere. I think that this just shows how many people were certain that even as early as November of that same year, Charleston was no longer alive. That's really heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. What's important to note is that as late as 2020, ABC 11 reports that Charleston's mother has not given up hope that he is alive and maybe he's being held somewhere. So I just, I understand wanting to keep the hope alive. I just, you know, I just don't know that that's a possibility at this point. Um, I also am just like curious about the specific area of his mom's home. Like, is there a lot of gang activity around there? Is it like maybe the kind of the shadier part of town. Like, I think that could definitely shed some light on some of this too. Something about that is that this was a very bold incident. Like it wasn't the dead of night when this happened. There were people that saw it and there were witnesses and it was still daylight outside. So they were very bold in this kidnapping. You know, I think that's interesting that you say that because I think that um, the way police are perceived and the cooperation of people is very different when you're looking at say like the south side it kind of has this reputation and really any town of kind of being the rougher side of town you know it's more poverty ridden you likely have things like gang activity or the crime is higher whatever um and so I think that's interesting that you say that because I do wonder if maybe they're on the shadier side of town or people are less likely to talk because people who come from like the bougie neighborhoods and whatever, I mean, their privilege automatically gives them just, you know, a different dynamic with police. And so they're more willing to talk. They're more willing to share things. Whereas if this really did happen on maybe a shadier side of town, the general rule is you mind your business and you don't talk to cops. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly with that. Although at the same time, I think how terrifying it is to witness someone be kidnapped like that in broad daylight. Like maybe they didn't want to say anything regardless of where they were because, I mean, you got to be pretty bold and violent to just pull something like that. Just grab someone up in the light of day. Yeah, but I think wealthier people have like tend to have this like invincibility persona to them <laughs> you know nothing can touch me we're in the richest you know part of town whatever we're in our gated community whatever so I don't know you're probably right I don't know that I I think we're very middle class you know we're not on the poverty side of town but we're certainly not in the bougie side of town and I think if I saw somebody um, get kidnapped I'd probably be like 
well, it's time to take my kids to soccer now. You have the rest <laughs> of your day. Please don't bother me. <laughs> so, you know, I could see it either way. And then on this, at the same time, I could be like, oh no, I got to tell them everything. Like we got to find this person. I'm going to be the first one on the phone with the police. I'm like searching security footage. Like, <laughs> I, It could be really a 50-50 here. Yeah. Regardless, um, I do just want to point out that his mother has not given up hope. And I do think that we should in some way respect that and recognize that his body hasn't been found. So if you do know anything, please do say something. Yeah, absolutely. Regardless of what this outcome ultimately ends up being, he deserves to come home. Yes. As of the recording of this episode, Charleston Goodman has not been located. Following the disappearance of her son, Tammy Goodman remained active in fighting to make her son's case known. She's since connected with others in her community to participate in demonstrations calling for an end to the epidemic of violence in Durham. The family continues to make efforts to keep his case alive through social media, through vigils, and regularly keeping others in the community updated as to if something has happened in his case. So you guys, I just want to take a quick minute again. Um, I know you guys are going to hear me kind of pause and reiterate some things throughout the episodes we cover, but I truly feel that it's important for us to share how families are keeping their missing persons cases alive for their loved ones, because it might very well benefit another family in a similar situation. So I just wanted to highlight the things that this family is doing to try to keep light on um, Charleston's case. So they're doing visual vigils. They're doing social media. They have a, a billboard, which is amazing. Um, and so, so many people are seeing that. That's really, truly incredible. Yes. In 2018, a billboard was erected overlooking the southbound lanes on the Durham freeway. And you can really see how impactful this family not being silent about the case was. You can see his face and information about him and everybody that crosses through there is going to be able to see that and know to be on the lookout for him and know that there are people who love him and care for him. If you look on social media, it's kind of heartbreaking because you can see his mom making comments and really telling people to still look for her son. She does still have hope. Charleston's mother said that his daughter gets sick each year on the anniversary of her dad's disappearance. According to his NamUs listing, Charleston Goodman was last seen wearing dark indigo blue jeans, a navy blue vest, maroon and blue hooded zip-up sweatshirt, a white t-shirt, and a gold chain. He had on navy blue, maroon, and white Puma sneakers. He would sometimes go by the nickname Scooter. He would also occasionally go by the name Bull City Scoot. Remember, that is what he would use for music. Crime Stoppers is offering a cash reward for any information leading to Charleston Goodman. If you have information on Charleston's case, please call Crime Stoppers at 919-560-4415 or the Durham Police Department at 919-560-4427. If you have any information on the disappearance of Charleston Goodman or the murder of James Docher, please reach out to the Durham Police Department. Tips to Crime Stoppers can actually be made anonymously, so if you're worried about your information getting leaked, you do have anonymous ways to report. All source material is located in the show notes. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We have posted Charleston's photo and all of his information to our social media, and we do encourage you guys to be on the lookout for him. All source material is located in the show notes, like I said earlier. To show your support, please leave us a review on the platform you're listening on. You can subscribe on Patreon, and we're on Patreon as Over the Horizon and Far Away. You can also find us on all of our social medias. We're on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. If you have a case you would like for us to cover, you can email us at overthehorizonandfaraway at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We hope you guys enjoyed that episode and we can't wait to share another story with you guys next week. Bye. Bye.